Good morning, as we enter the message time of our service. Are you tired? Sometimes after we've dealt with Christmas. It's a happy time, but then we get tired. And then we do this thing on New Year's Eve where we stay up late and knock our sleep all out of whack. And how long does it take us to recover so you're tired? And then you're thinking about, oh, I got to go back to work again tomorrow. So you haven't even done any work, but that makes you tired. So you're tired in advance. It's like advanced tired. So maybe you're tired today. And today we're going to talk a little bit of being tired or weary. You know, some people might be searching around to find out what are what activities, what makes me virtuous? I heard the term immoral thrown around in political decisions or governmental decisions. Oh, if you don't vote for this, you're immoral. Or if you vote for that, you're immoral. And it's amazing how far something goes to, to move things that are of, of, I want to be careful not to say lesser importance, but everything's raised to this level of moral and immoral. And they use terms like virtue signaling now that if you do this, you're virtuous. And, and it's like, look, look at me, I'm being virtuous. We've had those kinds of uh, debates and some of those challenges and you might get be a little bit confused. I know that even in the church, we can get into things where people are looking and saying, well, if you wear a mask, or if you don't wear a mask, that makes you a Christian, or a Christian would do this, or a Christian would do that, or a Christian would be vaxxed, or a Christian wouldn't be vaxxed, or one of the things I don't like is when I see on Facebook when people say, well, no, you're a Christian if you copy and paste this and move this forward. May I tell you that Facebook is not the place to make decisions on whether you're a Christian or not. And may I say to you that if you don't copy and paste it, that does not make you any less of a Christian. And if you see and wonder why, I just tend to ignore those. If it says, copy and paste, then we'll know you're a Christian. Or they bait you and say, well, I bet nobody will do this one. It's, as we've said before, it's the chain louder. But I'm sure there's people out there to feel a little guilty when people say, well, if you're a true Christian, you'll copy and paste this. That's what, not, what makes you a Christian. And some people get weary. You can get weary in your well-doing and doing good things. But in Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30, where we're going to look today, we're going to look at some other scriptures Jesus talks to those that are weary. And in their weariness, they're dealing with having Pharisees and those telling, making the rules and things, telling them what they needed to do to be good. And we'll look at some other passages along that line. But in Matthew eleven twenty-five to 30, it says, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, 
and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my oak upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when they were trying to get to that place that they were told was virtuous, that place where they told was moral, they, be, they had all these rules that were laid out before them and all these do's and don'ts that they have. Not that God doesn't require us to um, live responsible and righteous lives, but they had elevated these activities. And these people, sincere, trying to follow the righteous leaders, were getting weary. It's hard to keep up with it. And you can see where today it's kind of hard to keep up with because you think you're doing something that's right and then the other group tells you you're wrong. And you, then you go to try to do something that's right over here and then this group's telling you that you're wrong. And then you've got different churches saying, this is what you have to do to be right, but then this other one says, wrong. Jesus says, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The truth of the matter is that salvation is through Jesus. It's through Jesus. He says, I, I've, I've simplified this for you. You just need to come and trust in me. You need to do what I tell you to do. Yeah, but so-and-so saying, okay, well, what is God telling you to do? What does Scripture tell you to do? If we turn over to Galatians chapter 6, we look at this from, we kind of get a little bit of uh, a perspective here, of some of the arguments that were going on even within the church. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, and then we'll probably break and then pick up again in verse 11. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So this is the encouragement that, to those that are weary. So you might be weary because all these rules are being pressed on you from different places. Or you might be weary in well-doing. And he's basically saying to us, keep going. Keep going. Because you will reap. If you do what the world tells you to do, you will reap. But you might not like what you sow. But if you do what God tells you to do, you will reap. And it will be worth it. It will be worth it. You need to try to do good to all. 
But your first preeminent following, it should be of God. Now, then we find the contention that kind of brings us back around to what we just read in Matthew. If we keep going in verse 11 of that same chapter, see with what large letters I have written to you as with, to you with my own hand. This is Paul writing with his own hand. Other places he would dictate and have somebody else write. Verse 12, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your own flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I do and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So let's look at this a couple a couple pieces of this. As many, verse 12, as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. They want to look good for everybody out in the world. Have you ever have you seen that in social media? Have you seen that in the news? Have you seen that? People want to make a good showing with every, everyone else. They compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. Verse 13 is basically, they're not practicing what they're preaching. They're setting the rules for you of what you need to do and not do, but they're not even following themselves because they're trying to offshoot that and put, put the rules on something else. They're trying to deflect, it says in verse 12, As many as desire to make a good showing of flesh, these will compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but the desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So let me back up just a minute. Some may not be have the understanding or the background on what they're talking about related to circumcision. Circumcision is something that was instituted in the Old Testament for those that are part of the, of the Israel, Israelite nation that had to do with men. Only men and boys can be circumcised. Now, I know there's some activities that they try to do with women and other religions, but only men are circumcised, and you can look up what medical procedure that is. What was happening then is as people, as the gospel went out, as it rightly should at this point, to the Gentiles, there were some saying, listen, you aren't part of the promise because you're not circumcised. You need to be circumcised to make you part of the prom uh, part of what's going on. You need to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. They might not have used the word Christian. They might have said, to be a follower of God, you need to be circumcised. Well, as they went out to the Gentiles, they weren't Israelites, so they weren't necessarily circumcised. And so they're saying this rite or this ritual makes you a Christian 
even though it had nothing to do with the blood of Jesus. Because at this point, Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, been buried, and then rose again and ascended to the Father. But this contention that were coming on because they were trying to signal that they were virtuous by telling you what you had to do to be virtuous. But they weren't following through on the need of Christ. Can you see where I where we started out and we talked about virtue signaling. Hey, I want to tell you what you need to, be, to be, do to be virtuous. And if you do these things, you'll be virtuous. And I may not do them myself. Because I've raised a mark maybe I can't even attain. Or they'll shift the gears on what it is. Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <coughs> we are to go to him and gain wisdom from him we have to be very careful about taking activities and legalism and pushing this into this box of saying this activity makes you a christian and this activity doesn't and if you can get an idea of how contentious this is how contentious has it has it been about wear a mask and not wear a mask Vaccine and not wear a vaccine in the church. And you might run into somebody who says, I can't, just can't understand how a Christian wouldn't get vaxxed. And somebody else might have the same contention and say, I can't understand how you could take that vaccine. Do you not know how it was made or where it came from? And I'm not going to go down those paths, but there are. Some that you can make the argument that relates back to different views or relates back to abortion and strains of things that they have come from. I don't want to get into that debate right now because that's the point. The point is, if each person on those kinds of things that aren't scriptural, we have to be careful of elevating things to the level of saved and unsaved. Remember what I said about the Facebook posts? And I'm not saying that this pandemic's not real. It's real. I'm not saying that. But we got to keep things in perspective here, and we got to be careful that we're not judging people as saved or not saved based on things that aren't in the Scripture. It's causing a lot of contention. We already got people trying to figure out which way's up, and then the church were arguing over things that aren't part of salvation. So church splits and church declines and church things about all these kinds of things. In the meantime, we have an unsaved world that needs God, and what are they saying? We've got to be careful we don't miss the point. You ever been in, I've been in meetings or been around people that would say, and you will hear, you will hear this, even in non-church circles, but it might say, if it will save one soul. I remember a time I heard someone say along the lines, we need to take the pews out. 
and we'll replace them all with chairs. And I know that it's a big task and we're going to have to put money in it, but if it will save one soul. I don't think that furniture can save us. You know, what we need is we need to have better coffee at the church. Because if it would save one soul. Now, if somebody comes up to me and say, Pastor, I believe you should wear shorts and a sweatshirt while you preach. Because, Pastor, if it would save one soul, I'm not going to wear shorts and a sweatshirt while I preach. It's not happening. I don't read that in Scripture. But you can see how we can elevate things out of whack. What is the work and ministry of the church? At, as a church, we're looking at the possibility of moving. And when we do the moving, we have to think about what is the purpose of this church because if you've ever built a house or anything you're just like hey wouldn't it be cool if we you know and we added this room on the side and we and you start to building and and somebody has another great idea and if you've ever been in a building project uh, in a whether you're building a church or building anything there's always these great ideas and sometimes they can be very expensive but you get off track we call it scope creep you have this great project a project has a scope what's it's involved in and you get something called scope creep. In, in other words, people keep tagging on things. And you get distracted and you lose track of what the mission is. And you know, we preached on, we're supposed to be gathering together. That's one of our purposes as a church. We want to encourage each other. We want to worship in spirit and truth. John 4, 24. <coughs> we know that Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, 20-25 that God uses preaching. So that's an aspect of it. We're to sing, uh, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So that's part of it. So we need singing. We need preaching. Naturally, we need prayer. We need the fellowship. We need to build up the body. We need to teach each other. But we've got to be careful that we don't get things out of perspective. Or to build up believers so that they build and expand the body of believers. I want us to make sure that we don't end up with a bunch of people, but not necessarily a bunch of Christians. You look at some of the churches, and some churches' numbers have swollen and gotten larger during the pandemic. And some have shrunk. Even at times where the pandemic has been under control, it hasn't come back. There's many things that can be used for ministry. I will tell you that when I see us come together as a congregation... My encouragement to you is that you are engaged in the worship service. That you are engaged in the worshiping together. And that engagement means that you're participating in the music. 
Now, I know that some people don't feel like they can sing. That's okay. But you're engaged in the music time. Maybe you're singing quietly or silently or reading the words. But I'm not really worried about the quality of your singing. I want you to sing. But you're engaged. I have went to some very large churches. You walk in and they have the lights are off or dimmed down low to give focus up to the platform. But I have sat in, those congr- in a congregation and I looked, in, looked around and observed and I noticed that no one was singing. They were there for the concert, it would seem, but no one was singing. I want you as a congregation to participate. I want you to be engaged in the worship. Christian concerts are great, and musicians are great, and they help us to worship. But it says, sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Not come and watch. And so when you have worship teams, I expect the worship leader, the title they give them, but that leads the singing time, to lead in worship, not to be the worship. I want it to be a participation, worshiping together, because otherwise those people could stay at home and sit in the dark in their own houses. Because you can't see anybody, you can't see anybody raising their hand, you can't see anybody being blessed, and there's no one looking back at you to see if you're paying attention once in a while versus sitting back in the back, making out with your girlfriend like you're at a movie or a concert. It's church. We're not going to a Broadway production where it's all about the people on the platform. We're going to church. It's about the people in the pews. Our job on the platform is to deliver the message to help the people in the pews. So that should be our focus, not the numbers of people in the seats. Yeah, we need people in the seats so we can get people saved. But you can drive your ministry. You know, if we brought in and said we were going to have free, free Starbucks every Sunday morning, we're not doing free Starbucks every Sunday morning. I don't know how much the coffee costs, but it's a lot. We're not doing that. But if we did that, I bet we could get a lot of people in. The mission is the unsaved. The mission is to build up the believers, to keep them walking with Christ, to teach them, to help them get deeper in the love of Christ, and then to go out and make disciples. We want to make disciples that make disciples. As we expand as a church and do some new things, we want to make sure that we don't elevate the tools of ministry to means of salvation. We've got to keep the focus on the focus. And as we do these things, think about how does this drive the focus? And does it distract from the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ on our call to holiness? We want to do everything with integrity and above board to purvey and push forward the message of holiness. We need to follow God. Keep Jesus' salvation up in front 
So if you are weary today, you might be weary from well-doing. The pastor's talking about us going to another location. That might make you tired. Maybe you'd be increased knowing that you don't do that alone, but you're with God. And if you're weary, trying to figure out what's virtuous and trying to say, I'm trying to be a Christian. I'm trying to follow God. But on Facebook, some, this one person tells me I'm a Christian and this other thing tells me I'm not a Christian. May I say, don't be measured by the world, but be measured by Christ. Because there's people out there trying to put restrictions on you like they were putting on the uncircumcised that they need to be circumcised, but they weren't necessarily following God in the first place because if they were, maybe they wouldn't be turning around and try to pass edicts on you as you're a Christian or not a Christian because you won't Facebook this or that or wear a mask or not wear a mask or vaccine or not vaccine, and they've lost track of the whole message. They're virtuous signaling about themselves to make themselves look better, to raise their elevation, the view of everyone else to say, hey, look at me, how virtuous I am. Look at me, look how awake I am. But they're not awakened in the things of God. They're woke into the world, things of the flesh. And so they're asleep to God, awake in the flesh. They're asleep to God, awake in the world. We want to be awakened unto God so that we can awaken the other ones in the world to their need of Christ. So let's not lose track of the source of our salvation. Let's not lose track of who tells us we're righteous and not righteous. It's not me, it's God and through His Word. And let's remember as we grow to reach a dying world that we don't want to confuse them. It's simple. You need Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for you, shed His blood for you, was buried, arose, and ascended to heaven, and is coming again. Take rest in that. Relax in that. And then when it's time when God calls you into duty, into the work for the kingdom, remember that you can trust Him. He knows what you can handle. He knows what He's going to help you with. And He might extend your faith a little bit. You might do things through the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts the Spirit puts on you. And then you can do on yourself. But God will help us. Let's be standing together. Father God, I ask that you would help each of us hearing this message today to take the snippets, the portions, the groups of it that are applicable to our lives and that, Lord, that it would give us some solace, it would give us some peace, that you would reaffirm that we are walking right with you, even though the world and the flesh, being the world, those out there are pushing on us, trying to tell us. And some profession Christianity might be playing these same games, but help us to rest in you, to trust in you. Now, Father, if you prick our spirits because of our attitudes, you prick our spirits because of our conduct, let us take that. And if others maybe point something out that's based on Scripture, let us take that. But, Father, help us to rest in you. And what you're telling us is right. And what you're telling us is wrong. May you be our source of guidance. May you be our source of wisdom. Because the world 
will confuse us. And Satan will either use others to Lord to confuse us. Maybe even in the church, we need to try the spirits to see if they are of God. But Lord, help us to rest in you. Be with us, Father, as we start this new year. Help us, dear Lord, to move forward with courage and with the strength of the Holy Spirit as we are obedient to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.